Hello everybody, welcome to Brumbagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. How you doing people? Well, I can tell you that I kind of pumped and as well a bit sad. It's official. Today is the last episode of season number three of the Broom Wagon. Or of considering as well the kind of uh, intro spin-off the name was Spincake, season number four. And I don't know, I'm pretty honored that you arrived till here and that in this year I got amazing support from listeners as well as for companies. The last one, Open, and Andy Kessler that helped me a lot in this adventure this year. And yeah, because I found on the way friends, people that now I can call friends and also opportunities that brought me in some of the most amazing bicycle rides, bicycle race, ultra endurance race in the world. And I'm talking about the Silk Road Mountain Race and the Atlas Mountain Race. Thanks a lot, as usual, Nelson, for the opportunity that you gave me in 2019 and 2020. Hopefully, see you soon. Yes, it's the last episode of the year, of the season, actually. Um, I'm considering taking a bit of a break. I have a lot of ideas in mind, a lot of things that I want to do, but I really need a break. I need a break because sometimes... I was writing it in into my newsletter, by the way, description below, you will find the form to subscribe to it. Sometimes you need some recovery time. Uh, recovery time helps you on getting a new focus on your life, on your activities, on your project, on your creativity and will help you to get a bit stronger than usual. Of course, that's not a definitive goodbye. It's just, uh, oh, see you later. And of course, I don't know when, if it's gonna be just some weeks or one month, I'm still deciding or a bit more, uh, but it's gonna be, yeah, a time where I'm trying to collect back the ideas. The only sure thing that I know is that for the next two weeks, I will be completely out of social media and digital presence. You still know my email, hello at calamaro.cc, there I will still continue to read everything, but, but probably as with the same speed as usual, but everything that is related to Facebook, Instagram, uh, Spreaker and Spotify and everything is gonna be on hold. I'm thinking actually about really, yeah, deleting, uninstalling, for two weeks all the social media application because yeah because I need to read I need to listen I need to go out with a bike I need to look for a new job still in this kind of situation I need a bit of time off from the posing social media thing that I have I know that it's gonna have an effect of my uh, following bases, follower bases and stuff, but at a certain point, I'm not here for the numbers. I'm not on cycling for the number and just the same way into social media, into a social presence just for, uh, yeah, for the people and for the experience. Um, yeah, sorry for this super long thing and introduction, for sure you're gonna know more in a bit of time but i'm planning already some bicycle event hopefully i can do it uh, but i'm really really working on for doing that and uh yeah nothing else i would say nothing else still if you enjoyed this season's episode yeah just be sure to share it with your friends whatever episode you like this year or the years before or one of my 150 episodes i think share it with some friends and tell everybody that the broom wagon is out there and uh, suggest me people that you want me to talk with and uh, people that you think can be interesting 
for my storytelling, for me to know, and just for me to go out and writing. Yes, because writing is going to be, in the next time as usual, pretty, pretty intense because yeah for example an effect that this week i was working super hard on podcast newsletter and articles and stuff i didn't go out for any ride at all and that's not good that's not good for my health and really in order not to uh let's say crash into the wall like you do when you are bonking it's better to take some time off and that's what it is but let's move forward yes let's move forward because still we have an episode to listen to today I talked a couple of weeks ago. Now, why I'm so slow here? Because I actually don't remember how to pronounce, but I took some notes, his name and surname. So I talked some weeks ago, one week after the hand of uh, the Hope 1000, I talked with Jochen Boringer. The winner of the last two edition of, actually, the winner, yes, of the last two edition of this amazing race that is happening in Switzerland every year. Off-road ultra-endurance event. That is great. Well, I talked with him on the phone and I found an amazing person. And I'm super, super, super happy that I talked with him. And I think he's going to share with you a lot of good vibes. And for sure, after this episode, you are going to find a lot of motivation to charge your battery and go out with your bike, also with a, bi a borrowed bike, not the best one, to go out and have a nice ride. And you're gonna see, for sure, amazing things. I will stop talking for now. We'll talk to you at the end of this episode and hold tight because it's gonna be a great one. Following on the conversation about Hop 1000, I truly believe that this was one of this year's uh, main events, not because there are just a few, but also because everybody's keep on telling Switzerland is amazing and Willy organizes an amazing ride in amazing mountains and everything like this. And then because actually I'm here, a uh, guest of this amazing country, I said, okay, why not to talk with people that took part on it? So today I'm honored of having on my microphone the winner of the Hop 1000 2020. Hi, Jochen, how you doing? Hi, Stefano. Yeah, doing great. Thanks. And you? I'm really, really, really good. First of all, because I've been talking with you. Second thing, because yesterday I had probably the best ride of the year, uh, thanks to one of your fellow uh, race mates of the Hop 1000. I'm talking about my friend Lucas. Oh, hi, Lucas. How are you doing? And also because the sun is shining and I'm already thinking about having dinner on my balcony tonight. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, it sounds really, really, really amazing. So uh, I was telling you off records before that probably I'm going to misspell and mispronounce your name properly. I think I've done it already with your name, but now I want to cover myself in ridiculous on saying also your surname. So you are, your your name is, better, your name is Jochen Boringer. Yeah, it's quite close. Uh, Jochen, ah. Jochen Böhringer. Yeah, but uh, ah. Jochen is already, uh, yeah. Quite perfect. And you can also call me Joe. So a lot of uh, yeah, people with more uh, English background, they do much uh, easier with Joe. Okay. Do, do you feel comfortable with myself calling you Joe? Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Fine. Okay. Then I'm going to do that. So I actually had a conversation with Emma Puli also a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about you as a winner of the race as well. And I was calling you there already Joe. Because I thought, okay, it's kind of the easiest way. Also because 
uh, it's actually kind of your nickname, name of your uh, website, right? Something like Ultra Joe, stuff like this. Yeah, that's right. So okay. uh, that's one one of the reasons was that Jochen uh, is uh, quite hard to pronounce for a lot of people not coming from a German background. So uh, yeah, also the the blog um, I'm writing, where I sometimes write some stories about my ultra cycling endeavors or other races and so on. Um, I then called Ultra Joe because okay. it's also much easier to remember. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So Joe is gonna is gonna be fine. But Johan is kind of a name from southern Germany, isn't it? I never heard about it when I was living in Berlin. Mm, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I think okay. I think you would find it all over Germany, but uh, could be right that uh, it's more more frequent in the south part. Mm, okay, 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 perfect, perfect. Um, so, just I'm gonna say two words about yourself. So, you are the winner, as we were saying, of the first Hop 1000, even if before it was Navat 1000, that actually you won already in 2019. So, you won actually the last, probably the last Navat 1000 and the first Hop 1000. <laughs> I, I never thought about that, but it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you clo it's, you know, it's like it's a historic moment. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Brazil that they have actually in their somewhere museum and stuff the Rimek Cup because they won the the World Cup of football or of soccer in 1970. It's the same thing. You actually have at your place the prize of the Nava 1000, and now you have also the first Hope 1000. <laughs> we have to talk about with it about well about it with Willie, I think. Maybe he can give you something like this. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, you are a cyclist basically, but we were talking, you are also, um, I think you are an engineer, or oh, I'm saying something incorrectly. Yeah, so in my professional uh, life, mm -hmm. I'm working as an IT, um, or in the IT sector, Okay. Um, at a big company here in the southern part of Germany, um, heading a department providing business applications uh, to our uh, business divisions. So I have a yeah, background in software development and things like that, and then further develop more into managerial positions. And yeah, but my background is basically software development, software engineering, things like that. Perfect. So on a bike, you would consider yourself then something like, I don't know, um, a hard planner. Let's put it in this way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to put anything in categories. I know engineers that are way more keen to freestyle than myself, that I'm already a hardcore freestyler. So I don't want to put anything in categories. Yeah, but it's, How it's, do you in, play in fact, in fact it's, not, it's not, uh, not, not really wrong. So um, okay. I, I, love, okay. I, I also worked as a project manager for quite some time. And I always love to somehow create a structure and do some plans up front and things like that. So also when we are talking about the ultra cycling part, I have very comprehensive lists of what equipment I take with me and things like that. So I like to plan these, these things as well. You're are right. you telling me that you're putting all the things that you have to bring with you and all your plans or whatever? You have a huge Excel file? Are you telling yes, me for that? Yes, sure. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to share something with me, especially for my travels with a bike, because I'm always missing the best of the things and the most important things. So probably you need to share with me some tips on that. Yeah, I can definitely do even if the adventure starts when you're missing something. <laughs> That's so right. It can be a turn, it can be, I don't know, a perfect tool, it can be the, the mini pump, whatever. Adventure starts there. <laughs> cool. Talking about adventure, I think that the thing that I would like to do, something like we got a small glimpse now uh, on who you are and stuff, but the thing that I would love to do, and then we will start from the beginning, is actually 
tackle the elephant, the elephant that we have in the room. And this is the last 130 kilometers of your Hope 1000 2020. Fortunately, with not so many damages on your body, actually almost none, uh, you got hit by a car around 130, 140 kilometers to the finish line. Uh, you broke your bike. First of all, I think you have to make a couple of chats and talks with a car driver. Then you broke your bicycles. You tried to fix it. You could not do it. Then you borrowed another bike, kind of a rusty, uh, clumsy bike uh, from a super nice lady. And you got it and you finished the race, getting the records of the course. And then... So tell us a bit more the story about it. Let's start from the end of it because it's an amazing and fascinating part of it. But I want to listen to, to it from your voice, even if everybody of us, I think, already listened to that from one of your videos. But tell me everything. Yeah, as you said, um, there was this, yeah, this accident I had. It was uh, close to the valley where also Yaun, this uh, um, yeah, town is also located in. So there was a steep... I would say mountain road going down to that valley. And Unpaved. It was hard. no. It was it was it was paved. Um, okay. So and it also it was clear for me that there could be some traffic, yeah, but uh, for sure not much. Yeah. So it was a very small road going up the mountain. I went down the road uh, and uh, yeah, I was also quite fast for sure. Yeah. Um, and. There were some curves and so on coming, and it was very steep. And um, yeah, then unexpectedly there was a car um, coming up as well. And um, yeah, normally that would not have been a big issue, um, but yeah, the, the, the road there was quite narrow, so it was like the car fitted on the road. And if the car would have driven uh, on the complete right side, it would have worked. So I could have passed it and everything would have gone right. But the car came in the middle of the road yeah, because I think uh, the driver also didn't expect that someone comes down. And uh, due to the curves, he also recognized me far too late. Um, and yeah, we both hit the brakes. Um, but unfortunately, I was also not able to really just go off the road to pass by because on my side of the road on the right side there was a, I would say a, also a natural stone wall um, and so it was not possible to just ride into I don't know um, here some grass or so to to, to escape the situation and uh, I then just hit that gap between the car and that natural stone wall and uh, hit the car um, with my bike so the the mirror was broken also the the front bumper and uh yeah things like that were scratched so the impact was important i would say yeah but the good thing was that uh i didn't really touch the car itself with my body i think the mo the impact was really um between the bike and uh, the car and i just then was thrown off the bike um above the handlebar and just hit the ground somewhere yeah, behind the car um, on the road and yeah first of all for sure uh, body was aching and so on but I quite quickly realized that nothing really serious uh, happened to myself so yeah some small cuts some yeah abrasions some some small wounds at the body but nothing nothing really bad I could move all my 
all my bones still and so on, so everything fine. Um, and I also, after briefly talking also with the driver of the car and so on, I also checked my bike and so and, and my first uh, my first ob uh, observation was that everything in the bike at the bike should also be fine. Yeah, so I just checked the the gear shifting. I checked if the wheels are still turning properly and things like that, and everything looked fine. Um, actually, I also had a brief look at the frame, but also nothing seemed to be uh, broken there. Um, but in fact, the frame was yeah was very dirty at that point in time. So oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of mud on it and so on. So not being able to see everything at the frame. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, I just, as you said, I had a chat with the driver. We exchanged our uh, IDs and so on. So just took a photo of his ID and he took a photo of mine. And um, we then said, okay, I will continue my ride and we will then get in contact later um, to clarify then because something was also broken at his car and so on. We will then clarify with our insurances that um, things get somehow um, yeah, fixed at the end. Mm -hmm. And I was also a little bit then in a hurry and was not uh, because I still wanted to continue the race. So I and also was it. not. I was also not really interested to yeah calling the police, waiting there for hours and things like that. Yeah. So I also pushed uh, yeah to to get away again uh, on short notice. And yeah, then I just uh, drove ahead after we also a little bit cleaned the wounds and uh, did some disinfection and so on, on on it and then i just continued my ride and uh yeah on the first few hundred meters or kilometers going going further down the hill i also checked if uh, the suspension is working properly all these things yeah and the brakes are still doing a good job and so on and then i st also started pedaling again and then it was really strange because the the whole bike somehow also flexed to the side and not only up and down like the suspension should do. Mm. And I then stopped again and then yeah had a yeah, closer look at the frame again and then realized, okay, oh my God, the frame is broken at the seat uh, tube. And it was really a shocking moment because uh, yeah, it was still on this small mountain road. It was clear to me, okay, there is no direct help available around here so that I can get some uh, to a bike shop or so immediately. So I yeah thought about my options and thought, okay, it's uh, yeah around about 100, 130 kilometers still to go. Perhaps I can somehow fix it in a way that I can just continue on my bike and had a look if I find some, yeah, some helpful <laughs> tools around and uh, yeah, also saw some strong sticks there. And uh, then just took one of those, uh, um, broke it to a length that fit my frame, and just tried to fix it with some um, with some zip ties um, to the frame, just to to get it stable again. And then continued my ride, and yeah, it actually it was then better than before. Yeah, so I could still ride a bike and continue, but it was. It was quite clear that I would never be able to complete a whole ride this way because, um, yeah, there are the Hope 1000 contains quite some also technical downhills and things like that. And um, so it was clear to me if I would just go ahead like that, I think the whole frame would break um, at some other places as well. Um, and I would not be able to finish that way. So, yeah, then, but I was still able to drive 
and uh, then I just uh, went ahead in parallel, checked on my mobile phone if there is any town close by or any uh, sports shops or bicycle stores or whatever. And actually also found one in in Yaun, which was only 10 kilometers to go or so, and called also called uh, them, but uh, they changed their portfolio somehow, only had winter stuff anymore and no bikes. So this option was gone. Only ice creams. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> and then I just arrived while, while still thinking about my options. I arrived in the next small town. Uh, it's called Imfang. And uh, yeah, I just had a look around and thought, oh, perhaps there are some small hotels and things like that. And they often also provide one or two rental bikes to their to their guests. Um, and I thought perhaps I have some luck there and uh, had a look around, but was not sure how to start or do it efficiently. And then I saw this kind lady um, on her balcony and uh, she looked like, yeah, belonging somehow really to that to that town and perhaps already living there for a longer time. And I've just thought, oh, let's ask her. Um, perhaps she can give me some hints uh, where I can get a bike from. And uh, yeah, she was quite helpful. Um, also thought about, oh, who could we ask? Also asked her neighbor, actually, if uh, they have a bike, which is a real mountain bike and so on. Um, and also thought about some hotels, but uh, yeah, didn't come up with a... With a yeah, good idea or proposal. Uh, only that there is a rental shop 20 kilometers completely in the other direction going down the hill. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was not a real option for me because that would have cost too far too much time to get there and get back and yeah, get all these things done. So actually I then told her, oh, that's not a good option for me. I, I'm taking part in a race here. Um, and I have to go in the other direction and it would cost me far too much time. And then, um, yeah, she thought about it again and said, hmm, actually, I have an old mountain bike. Yeah, I could borrow you, <laughs> oh. but but it's not a good one. So, um, yeah, I think she, she, she directly told me she thinks it's not a good idea. Okay. Um, but I said, if it has two wheels uh, and a brake, then... I will take it. <laughs> if it's solid, at least, I will go. Yes. And, uh, yeah, then we had a look at it together. She just, uh, yeah, took me with her into her basement. We had a look at the bike, and, uh, yeah, I saw it, and I thought, okay, it's it's not too bad, actually. Yeah, so it has it has some V-brakes, at least. Um, it has, uh, yeah, a solid frame. And it has a, and also the gear shifting was still working. So I thought, okay, that will do it somehow. Yeah. And then, yeah, just uh, took a few minutes then to also, yeah, take the most essential things from my, from my gear with me to put it into a small bag I had with me. Um, also, yeah, my water bottle, things like that, and also, also my, yeah, things like. Uh, small tools and also some replacement parts like um, I had some tubes with me some spare tubes and things like that and I took all of these things um, put it into a bag and uh, then yeah just continued to ride um, the only the only uh, real problem with the bike which I directly um, realized was that, uh, that there was a different pedal system mounted to it so it has Shimano SPD SPD pedals, 
And I was riding with Crank Brother pedals and uh, cleats, and the shoes are not compatible with each other. Yeah. And in that moment, I thought I would just uh, demount my pedals and put it onto her bike. But um, yeah, with my small multi tool, I was not able to detach her pedals from the old bike. I think they were just uh, really stuck in the cranks. Yeah. For 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 decades already, <laughs> and um, actually, I then thought, okay, I would just ride without um, without uh, attaching myself uh, really into the the pedals, but just using the other side of the pedals because they also had some flat pedals. Uh, ah, okay. On it, so that would have worked, but she then proposed that I could take her shoes as well, and I then also thought, okay, let's. Let's try. It was two sizes, one to two sizes too small. But Ooh. actually, I was able to fit my feet in somehow. And I then thought it's better coming to those long climbs and the technical downhills to be really attached to the bike with my feet. So I thought, okay, that's a good option. And I just took her shoes as well. Yeah, so she was really so nice and yeah, <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it would have been much better to just demount the cleats at my shoes and uh, just uh, take her cleats to my shoes so that would be the much better option at the end but this just didn't came into my mind as an, as an idea as well uh, just uh, thinking about it later on i thought oh that would have been much better yeah yeah yeah. but probably also the cleats on uh yeah let me think about that yeah probably also the cleats would have been stuck probably yeah that shoes. Could, could be the case yeah, that could have been could be. yeah doesn't matter so i just took her bike and continued and uh, just while riding the first kilometers i also called my wife and said okay um if you if you see some pictures uh, or if you um if i don't uh call you anymore later on and so on but the dot is still moving everything is fine um, but i just are now a little limited in regards to my equipment and so on so there will be no yeah, updates from the route anymore with some videos and stuff like that because yeah i did not have all the equipment with me then on the on the new bike like uh, being able to attach my mobile phone to the handlebar and things like that yeah to charge it or stuff like yeah, this yeah, right exactly. it's no dynamo and stuff yeah it was okay. was very limited then so yeah, and i continued and um yeah beside the fact that um, my feet started aching very soon Beside that, actually also going up the first uh, bigger uphill, yeah, it felt quite okay. Yeah, Not good, not perfect, but it was okay. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the main challenge uh, for the rest of the route was mainly the tires, because there were only some semi-slicks, which were really... Yeah, also used to a large extent already mounted on the bike and also the f- there was no suspension at all yeah, the front suspension was not working anymore um and so on so yeah it was not just it, it was like uh, really riding i would say more a gravel bike then okay uh, without suspension and uh yeah with very limited grip on the tires so i had to go i had to be very careful when going down and i was also always afraid of getting a puncture and things like that because of the really old uh, yeah, tires and uh, yeah, very limited grip and so on. How long did it take then for this last segment of your ride? We're talking anyways about um, 
10% of all of the arrays, but still something like it's still when you're tackling, when you're going into the hop 1000, you know that all, everything is almost rough. So you are not going to find a quiet segment, probably just the last downhill to Montreux. But how long did it take and how did you feel in this in this kind of last 100 kilometers, 130 kilometers? Yeah, so actually, I think changing the bike could have been around 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm not, not 100% sure. Um, and I hit the finish line close to midnight. So, yeah, it was 13 hours, 13, 14 hours. I don't know exactly. Yeah, um, And, yeah, the... That's the funny thing about ultra cycling or at, at all about these long distances and long distance rides is that somehow your mind always sets the yeah, parts of the route or the remaining part you have to you have to finish or so always sets this in relation to the overall distance. And for that reason, also when I took the, the bicycle, I thought, oh, it's not far anymore. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's only 10%, as you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But actually, only 10% is still like it's a whole day ride. Yeah? And uh, that's something which then more came into my mind again when then also I realized that the shoes are far too small and things like that. And I really suffered a little bit uh, due to that. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, always I was, it was quite clear for me that it's, it's not going forever. Yeah? It's, the time is limited. I will be able somehow to finish in the next uh, 10, 15 hours somehow. And uh, yeah, uh, also suffering is limited and uh, therefore it was not too bad, too bad for yeah. me. But did you feel like, I don't know, I'm going to swap the bike and I'm going to win anyways, or at least this was the goal, or you actually were also facing the the situation that you could also lose the, the race because of this mechanical that you got, mechanical, yeah, this at, kind of bad situation that happened? At the moment... When I realized that the frame is broken, I directly thought, okay, that's it. It's over. No, no chance to win anymore. It will take far too long if I continue with the current setup somehow, just stabilizing the frame. This will cost me a lot of time on downhills or whatever. I would have to walk everything and so on. So, Or getting a new bike will also take me hours somehow to organize that. So, And I, I knew that point in time that I was in the lead with a quite comfortable buffer of, I don't know anymore exactly, but it was three, four hours, something like that perhaps, or three hours roundabout. So I thought, okay, this is, yeah, before the accident, I thought, okay, if nothing bad happens, um, the chance is quite good to finish at, at first position. Um, but after the accident, I thought, okay, no chance anymore. Yeah, I can be happy if I make it to the top three, four, five guys or something like that. Um, and then actually, after changing the bike, I also thought directly, okay, now all my all my buffer is gone. They the other guys, they might have passed me already, or um, might be directly behind me and will now catch up uh, immediately due to my yeah, somehow limited material or equipment now. But then I checked the the live tracking and realized that actually changing the bike and getting all this done didn't take me too long or as long as it felt and uh, then i still thought okay if the bike somehow sustains the rest of the course there is still a chance to win yeah and that uh, also yeah 
also pushed me a lot uh, to get motivation back and uh, also to yeah continue to ride in a fast way and uh, to keep on pushing. Yeah. But did you walk at least a bit? I think that you always walk in the Hope 1000 because yeah, you the have terrain to. is kind of... You will find, of course, some hike a bike. But did you? Uh, do you think that you walked more than with you would have done with the other bike for this last segment? Or Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. There were some, especially the last descent um, from yeah, the last big mountain down to Montreux. Um, before you really hit the top there or also the first uh, I would say part and going down is a quite technical single trail um, with a lot of um, roots and uh, stones in the in the trail and uh, uh, if I rem- if I remember correctly from last year even with a with a good mountain bike I had to walk some some sections there but with that bike and no suspension and yeah limited grip and so on i i had to walk a lot there yeah um but beside that i think only small sections uh, where i really had to walk instead of being able to ride because of the bike um for sure when i was able to ride i had to go yeah much more slowly um but still was able to ride somehow i think the good the good thing is that my technical skills are quite good because I have a long history in mountain biking. So, and I even when I when I started mountain biking when I was 14 years old, um, I started it without a front suspension. So, I, I learned how to ride a bike, which is not uh, yet at the, at, the, at the level which we currently see it uh, when we have mountain bikes. Yeah. So this was how long is this now? 25 years ago, or even more. Yeah, so that time suspension systems were not at our level now, brakes were not at our level, all these things. So I think that helped me also a lot not to yeah <laughs> not to run into big trouble with that bike. Okay. You felt a kind of in a familiar situation, let's say. You were basically at the moment riding a hardtail uh, yeah, a hardtail bike with kind of a fixed front suspension and you were used to do exactly the same completely hard frame mountain bike when you started kind of a gravel bike but with flat bar and so you felt familiar with that yeah yeah. it was not too bad (laughs) yeah jump back in the future no it's not back in the future uh back to the beginning of your cycling passion i would say so you mentioned here already briefly that you have anyways an historical report of mountain biking when everything started when actually you got hit by the bug of okay riding the bicycle and riding a mountain bike it's really good that was actually when i was 14 years old Mm -hmm. um that point in time um yeah there was a there was a vacation plan for the summer i wanted to join a group there going for a bigger ride um that point in time here starting in germany going to it was also to the alps in austria um with a group of teenage uh yeah, participants it was organized here somehow by um by local church and yeah the plan was to join that group but that point in time i didn't have a good good bicycle so actually, um, at one of the next uh, yeah, opportunities, I um, put it on my gift list 
and it got a mountain bike that point in time wow. then uh, as a gift from from parents and a lot of other people who who put some money together and um actually that was the starting point into my i would say bicycle also enthusiasm somehow um, because when i had the bike um, and uh, i also wanted to prepare a little bit for that uh, uh, that vacation i just started to ride a bike quite frequently also multiple times a week together with friends and so on and uh, then also early uh, got in touch with the local bicycle dealer and they had a a group of uh, also youth group somehow with um, some kids training together um, for yeah just for fun and I joined them as well and yeah that was basically the starting point for me and then also when I still was a teenage boy I also started to do some small races here around in the region some cross-country races uh, things like that and yeah that was uh, yeah was also quite fun for me and I even started then into some kind of structure training yeah not not really uh, on a I would say very high level or so but at least some structure training saying okay you have to ride some base miles you have to do some intervals things like that already started at that point in time as well um, as preparation for these races okay 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 um always actually always to do some mountain bikes in the southern Germany always the the community there is pretty popular as a sport or yeah i think that point in time it was still a niche sport mm -hmm. yeah but um yeah community grew and i was there was also um a club a local club there and i was also then a member of that club later on also um took some responsibility in that cycling club um and yeah it, at least there in, in my community or around, there were quite some friends uh, also involved in cycling. And uh, yeah. I also had some role models here in the cycling club and so on. So Okay, okay. Yeah, I can understand actually that being close anyways to forests and trees is always good to enjoy the outdoors on a bike. It's really a good way to have fun, to enjoy your time, your free yeah. time. And yeah, definitely. Also bond with people. So here around, I'm I'm living close to Stuttgart, or and also at that point in time, I lived close to Stuttgart. Um, we do not have big mountains, so you cannot do long climbs or things like that. But at least we have, yeah, a lot of more, would call them more hills, um, 200 meters of, uh, yeah, vertical meters, uh, or in some cases you can go for 300 or so in one shot. Um, and there are a lot of single trails also here in the wood. So on the forest, so yeah, it was also that point in time already quite nice uh, going out here with the bike, even though it's not real mountains like in the Swiss Alps or so. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, but here it's kind of special. You will find also these things if just if you go, yeah, uh, Switzerland, Austria, Italy or Canada as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, something like, okay, you developed this passion and then what happened? You were, you were telling us you were taking part uh, to cross-country races, you started training a bit more. And then how was the evolution till 2016, I think? Yes, 2016 when you actually got the, your first contact into ultra cycling. How was this gap of time? So actually... Um... Yeah, I, I think I continued also participating in, in races and so on till 
17, till I was 17 years old or so, then also had a short time in triathlon. Ah. Um, but uh, actually, uh, the running part, uh, yeah, so I, I've also had um, some, in not injuries, but um, so my knees uh, were not made for running. So I was not able to really, um, yeah, go for long training runs and so on. So always had issues with my knees. So stopped triathlon again as well. And then uh, when I started studying and then also started my professional career, um, I completely lost, I think, cycling uh, or the focus on that part. And just, yeah, I'd still, from time to time, I went perhaps on a, on a tour or things like that, but there was no training at all anymore. And also, I think if you count the number of times I sit on my bike in these years, I think it was, yeah, you can you can count it at two hands. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was really, I was not doing much sport at all anymore for quite some years. Mm -hmm. um, there was a short, uh, one year, I think, I, I took part in a, in a Transalp, uh, the bike Transalp, which is also a stage race. Uh, it was in 2006. I think in that year, I really uh, started training again and really prepared for that. But beside that, um, till 2012, I think um, there was not much of uh, real sports in my life anymore. The focus was on job, on family and all these things and not really on sports. And then 2012, somehow I um, yeah, also... Uh, we, uh, yeah, I, I, I found back to my old hobby, um, started also going with the bike to, to work, yeah, to commute with the bicycle, uh, started that way again to find into my old hobby. And soon I also, also the competitive part, uh, uh, was interesting for me again and I started to also participate in mountain bike marathons and things like that again so eight years ago and that was then also the main and just then yeah the, the amount of training the amount of uh, how much I ride and things like that increased then over time again um, I took part in several bike trends out stage races and also small mountain bike marathons and things like that in the upcoming years and then 2016 or yeah, even the year the, the year before, I think, I, I somehow came across an article in uh, a German road bike magazine. Um, there was a report about uh, Paris Brest Paris, the uh -huh. Brevet. Yeah. And before that, to be honest, I never really got in touch with ultra cycling. Yeah. And I read this article and thought, oh, this might this must be really outstanding athletes who are able to go for such a long distance i would never be able to do that and uh because i'm only i'm only a mountain bike marathon <laughs> rider and things like that so my impression about these long distances was completely okay these must be outstanding athletes yeah. okay but my interest was there and i thought oh it would be great to try something like that as well at least on a shorter distance and so on and then in 2016 I saw that there are a lot of brevets also here in Germany available. And that point in time, I think the longest ride I ever did so far was around 180, 200 kilometers yeah, yeah. in my life. And I saw that they offer these kind of uh, brevet series with 200, 300, 400, 600 kilometers, things like that. 
and I just thought, okay, 300 would not be a real difference to what I already did, but 400 would be. So yeah, let's register for the 400 kilometers and let's see if I can, if I can, if I can do it, if I can sustain it. And yeah, that was my, I would say, entrance then in ultra cycling. So I joined one of those purveys. Um And when I joined it, I, I took a lot of kit with me. So I thought 400 kilometers, this will take two days for me. I have to sleep. Um, I have to take uh, a sleeping bag with me, all, all these things. And then I joined that event there and just uh, yeah, joined some other riders at the starting line and uh, stayed with that group. And I was quite astonished that I was able to complete a whole ride in one shot without sleeping, without everything. And a lot of the equipment I took with me was what was not used at all. And so I thought, okay, 400 kilometers is it worked quite well. Yeah. So let's try the next one. And I directly registered after the event for the 600 kilometer version. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So so I I got directly addicted uh, to that uh, kind of stuff. And yeah, that was my entrance into ultra cycling, basically. Perfect, perfect. But you basically so. From there on, actually, there was a lot of tests and trials. As you were saying, as you were saying, with uh, um, yeah, um, long distance rides, and uh, I, I think that you have done also something like with drop bars as well as something else with still mountain bike, right? So, how did you choose at a certain point that probably your way was the one? a bit more mountainy, so going back to the roots of your cycling experience, but still with the ultra cycling, uh, something like brand name of it. Well, yeah, so the f I think the, f the first experience was that more on this Breves, which is not competitive. Yeah, mm -hmm. But then directly also because I'm, I like competition also and the races and, and this kind of stuff. So I then thought, okay, how can I combine that experience also with racing, and uh, also going back to my more to my roots? And I saw that there are also some kind of long distance mountain bike races, and then I joined uh, the first twenty four hour race. Ah, okay. Um, as well, so this was then more the entry again into I would say racing, the racing part, and uh, on the mountain bike. Um, but this is completely different to something like the Hope One Thousand. So it. Um, 24-hour race, you are just riding a short circuit course, 8 kilometers, 12, 20, whatever, and just, yeah, riding it in circles all the time. So the adventurous part is not there at all. Uh, you always have equipment close to you, you spare parts, you can put at the route, you, all the, all the um, nutrition part is uh, easily organized and so on. But this was then also before I joined something like the Navad or Hope 1000, I, I also had this experience. Yeah. And I also realized that I somehow have some talent for this kind of stuff. Um, because somehow I perhaps I'm not someone who can yeah, compete in a mountain bike marathon with the top riders because there you will also have a lot of professional riders as well. Um, but at, at a very high speed, but when it comes to these really long distances where you yeah where you don't ride at the from an athletic point of view at the cutting edge of what your body can sustain um, for one or two hours or something like that, but for a really long time, I realized that this is something which uh, yeah somehow 
works quite good for me. And I was able to, right from the beginning, to really compete there also um, with the top riders, um, also at these events. And uh, that was also um, yeah, a little bit astonishing for me, but uh, yeah, was also I, I experienced that I have some talent for that, and um, that for sure was also one of the aspects by why yeah, I also like uh, these kind of uh, races and did not stick only to the non-competitive part like Brevets and so on. Yeah, yeah, because it makes a lot of sense. Actually, we're making the difference between uh, uh, the 24 hours mountain bike marathons and uh, um, events like bikepacking ultra events. There is an aspect that is pretty different. As you were saying, um, you're on um, a 24 hours, you're just riding in circle. Is everything organized by somebody else? Something like the f uh, the feeding part, the equipment, if you need to change clothes or whatever. You have a place, probably you are storing, where you're storing your kit, you're storing your clothes and you can change them. While on the uh, bike, uh, bikepacking ultra, you are by yourself. You have to yes. self-support your ride. This means that there is a level of, uh, I don't know, of planning, a level of also self-confidence, a level of being on focus and being on the bike all the time and also some planning on the resting times, the feeding time or whatever that are completely different, right? Yeah, and, and I think and there is one additional part which is that I think there is, there is one big difference. It's when you start, it's not sure that you will finish. So there is always this uncertainty. There can so many things can happen. It's it's always also yeah the adventurous part is is there, and I think that's something which I also really like about this ultra this real ultra cycling unsupported events, that you when you are there there is always the risk of failure, yeah, um, and this makes it also special. And this and irregardless or, or, or it, it doesn't yeah it's it's not that important which rank at the end you have um even just finishing it is always already a very big accomplishment yeah? so that's also something i really like about these unsupported events that yeah that you have this aspect as well yeah? even people who just go to the starting line i think already have shown us yeah a significant amount of i would say braveness or whatever to just start it um because of all what you said like uh, you have to be self dependent there is no no one uh, who supports you and so on so um you have to perhaps ride in the night or sleep out sleep outside all these things um all these uncertainties so i think uh, just starting it is already a great achievement uh, um, but uh, finishing it is even better and yeah regardless of which rank at the end you have yeah and that's something i really like and that you that it's not only about your athletic skills or your technical skills and things like that but that you have to pro you have to bring much more competencies into it and have to have a yeah also good balance there like you said, you have to organize everything yourself. You have to plan it properly. You have to think about your equipment much more than in a normal race. Um, yeah, you have to have a mental mental strength. If things, yeah, are not going smoothly, not only for a few hours, but really, uh, yeah, for multiple days. 
and things like that. So, yeah, I think you, as a writer, you need to somehow, yeah, have a complete package of skills, and it's not so much focused on only your athletic or technical skills, like it is in other races, in shorter yeah. ones. How does it reflect, in your opinion, these aspects that you perfectly described also into the community? Because as you're describing it, it seems like for the 24 hours mountain bike race, you have something like, I don't know, a community, but also an environment that is really close anyways to pro cycling, but traditional cycling, because probably you're going to have a support. If something happens to your bike, you will have probably also somebody who help you. Uh, helps you on putting stuff together you are starting for the results and not for the experience while in ultra cycling seems like it's completely different how does it reflect in the community yeah i think i think 24 hour races are already something which is not too far away um, when it comes to the community and so on because also there a lot of people just are there to to somehow have the experience and to complete it yeah um because it's already a yeah big accomplishment to sit 24 hours on the bike compared to others who only do it two or three hours. Yeah, But um, you are right when we are talking about the community. Um, in ultra cycling, I think there you find a lot of people who are perhaps not um, yeah, that much focusing on um, also, I would say, structure training and things like that. Um, but who are more just enjoying riding their bike, um, doing a lot of long rides in their free time and things like that. While when you have a look at uh, yeah, traditional racing, for sure, the athletic part is so important that uh, at least the ones who who go there for yeah also doing a good, good rank at the end and so on, that they focus a lot on this athletic part as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, and also this, if you have a look at the people who participate in this ultra cycling uh, endeavors, you will find a lot more people who, yeah, are more looking for the adventure than for the perhaps also competitive part, you know, and enjoying that part as well. Yeah. So I know a lot of friends uh, um, also riding the classical races. Who, who also uh, they, they would never uh, want to to sleep outside or um, yeah stay in the same kit for multiple days and things like that yeah um, they would not like that adventural part that much and this is completely different in the ultra cycling community and um, yeah also leads to a strong I would say somehow yeah leads to a strong community that people exchange their experience that. Uh, yeah, if you have also finished something like such an event, uh, even if you are not at the same level of uh, doing it in a certain time frame or so, there is so much to to still share in experience and uh, to talk about and so on, um, that this common experience of an adventure really also strongly connects the community, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, as you were saying, um, probably on a starting field, the starting pack of an ultra endurance race, you will find, I don't know, I would say out of a hundred, five people, 
if I'm saying a lot, is really 5% of people that can really win the race. Everybody else is there just for the community and to talk about that and uh, to get the experience, to join the adventure and everything like this. While on the other side, so uh, if I can completely continue, maybe I'm going to keep on finishing on that. So you're going to there to um, take the adventure or whatever and something like to test yourself outside in the field. While on the other side, when you're going to, I don't know, Grand Fondo races or whatever it is, first of all, there are more people uh, join this events to compete and to win and on the other side even if you are not competing to win you are competing to get your personal record or whatever something yes. that is set up on numbers yeah. so just, that's... just to get your personal best and things like that yeah, yeah and I, I i i pretty much like both to mm. be honest yeah so i still even though i really enjoy the the ultra cycling part a lot and uh, this is also one of um yeah one of the highlights in the year for me to to join such an event, even though I still like to go for classical racing as well. So I I, I like both approaches, and yeah, um, I would not say the one is the better than the other, but uh, I think there are people who love more love the one and more or love, more love the other. Um, but yeah, it's good that both exist. Absolutely, yeah, because it's. It depends on how you feel, how you can relate with cycling in this case, or anyways, whatever is sports in the other side. If you are a bit more the type that you are not so competitive and you just enjoy nature and just enjoy the adventure and people around you, go for it. On the other side, if you are a bit more the person that likes to challenge yourself and your physical skills and all these and all the other skills that you have on that, go for it. The most important thing is uh, something like, I don't know, fulfilling your life with what you like to do, doing something that you like to do and whatever it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How, would you, how do you combine that, by the way? You were actually mentioning that you're still doing, uh, yeah, taking still the contact with uh, the both of the aspects. One is the competitive, uh, real, something like old school competitive races. And on the other side as well, still competitive, but a bit more the adventure side, like the Oc 1000. How do you combine it in terms of training, in terms of, um, I don't know, state of mind and feelings and uh, organization? How do you do it? So actually... Um, when it comes to training, I mainly focus on, I would say, classical racing in regards to preparation because the, 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 the easy reason for it is that I'm very time limited yeah, due to my job. Uh, also, I want to yeah, have time with my family also Absolutely. at the weekend and so on. Yeah. So I'm... I am not able to go for a lot, lot of really long rides, like saying, okay, on Saturday I will go for an eight-hour ride and Sunday for 10 hours, things like that. This doesn't fit my schedule at all, or it doesn't fit my priorities, so to say. Yeah, you can always make it happen, but yeah, my priorities are different. So actually, I'm quite time-limited in regards to, to training, and for that reason, my... yeah. The training I'm doing is also very much focused on um, getting a structured training done for competitive racing um, with a lot of interval training, VO2 max, uh, yeah, training close to your FTP, things like that. So um, more this classical uh, training. And I then combine it with some really long rides. Uh, to also get used to that part. But the main part um, are short rides I'm doing. So most of my training is lasting for one hour, two hours, things like that. Um, most of my rides 
effects. And then I combine it with some really long ones, just going, I don't know, when we go for vacation, well, this, this, uh, this winter, for example, early this year, I just took that chance and uh, my family took the, took the car to get to Austria to our skiing vacation. And I just took the bicycle and did this 350 kilometers or so ride with the bike. And also one week later going back home, I also took the bike again. Things like that. Yeah. Wow. Or just going to a purvey again or just uh, yeah, doing a, this this spring. I also did two, two Everest things. Mm-hmm. Um, one on the road, one on the one, one uh, off-road. Wow. Um, just to have some of these very long rides as well to get your body also used to it especially to get your knees used to it and things like that Um, because that's one of the things where at the beginning of my ultra cycling uh, yeah when when i started ultra cycling i really had some issues with Um, but yeah if i combine it that way having some of these very long rides and uh, for the rest of the training, focusing on short rides, really building up uh, fitness. Um, this is a combination which works really good for me. Perfect. Um, so yeah, what I wanted to ask you more, I wanted to ask you that then at a certain point, you decided to take part to your first Navad 1000 last year. You arrived, you saw it, and you won it. Tell me, first of all, the process, why did you decide to go for the Navad 1000 last year? And which one was your first experience with it? How did you feel it? How did you like it? So the basic reason for it was that I, yeah, I said I, I also wanted to go for that adventural part, and I just had a look. And um, that point in time, I think it was one of my friends on Facebook. He just shared a video of Lyle Wilcox. Um, uh, about the Navat 1000, where she participated a year before. And I saw that video and uh, it was so great um, having a look at uh, yeah, her, her, yeah, her um, experience there and seeing the route and uh, yeah, everything that I thought, oh, this could be really a great adventure. Yeah, that's something I want to try out as well. And that was basically how I got connected somehow to the Navat. Yeah, it was due to that, to that movie on YouTube from Lyle. And then I registered for it. And that point in time, I didn't have any connection to bikepacking yet, yeah, to real bikepacking on a mountain bike, staying also outside in the night and things like that. So um, I took part in these brevets and so on, but um, not real bikepacking where you have a lot of kit with you, um, also to stay to be self-supported for multiple days or so with, um, with a lot of stuff. So I then also, and I never slept outside in the forest, for example, without a tent or something around me. Yeah. So um, that was also something. And I then also had a look at some other videos on YouTube and I saw, okay, there are people carrying a tent with them or going to the hotel or things like that. But I then thought, okay, the real, the real, um, yeah, I would say experience or spirit of something like that would be to really, yeah, sleep outside, uh, try to be as much on the bike as possible, don't go into a hotel and things like that. And uh, then I also started to prepare for that. 
mm-hmm. and took it really as an adventure. So I was not thinking about getting a good position or something like that at all um, at the beginning, but it was more the adventurous part and just to see if I can finish it. Then over time of the preparation, I thought, yeah, but it's still a race, so let's try to be fast as well. <laughs> okay, of course. <laughs> then competi- uh, competitivity jumps in. It's always like this. Yeah. And and then I also I thought about my kit and so on. I did not have much much experience with that. Um, so also in regards to bikepacking equipment. So I then also wrote. Um, yeah, I, I contacted Lyle and also Stepan Stransky, who did the record uh, as well in the same year as Lyle's uh, participation. And I wrote also to him and asked them some questions like, uh, what kind of uh, sleeping bag do you use, or um, how about uh, how about gearing, uh, how about uh, yeah uh, the the chainring size and things like that. What kind of uh, yeah. What kind do you need for that, for these long climbs and the route and things like that? And they were quite open. So Lyle just shared a link uh, to to her packing list or to her equipment. Um, she posted uh, some point in time also on Instagram. And uh, also Stepan answered my questions. And uh, that helped me also a lot in preparation um, to come with the right equipment somehow or learn from them. And... Yeah, then I started and uh, yeah, after I think the second day I was then somehow in front. And then really the competition <laughs> came completely into my mind and I then thought, okay, you are now really doing good here in this field. So now let's try to, to bring it home. Mm-hmm. And it then was a perfect combination out okay. of adventure, sleeping outside and things like that. And on the other side, also the competitive part. Okay. Actually, yeah, it was perfect, the competitive side. You won it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But, but to be honest, in that year, also the, I would say the, the, the field was not as strong as this year. Okay. So I think, yeah, if, if I would have taken part this year the first time, definitely I would not have won it because last year, for example, I, I said, okay, this will last for four days or five days or six days and I have to sleep every night at least two or three hours. So there was something like a plan as well there. And uh, for example, in the first night, I just also laid down to sleep two or three hours um, just because I planned it um, because I thought, okay, you will need this. Otherwise, you will not finish this event at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even though I was not in front at that point in time yet. yeah. And this year, with the experience from last year and some more uh, ultra cycling experience as well, um, I thought I can push me more to the limit uh, in these aspects as well. Yeah, so uh, this experience definitely helped also for this year. Yeah, actually, just if we can stress a second on that one and um, something like projecting it to the CRAs, you were the one between the first three probably you were the one stopping for most of the time am i correct yes what the hell probably you were uh i don't know you were pushing harder than the other ones or uh, whatever it happens but actually you stopped for as i remember kind of seven hours eight hours while sofian that arrived second he stopped for a couple of hours only what happened there yeah i think this is still something where i can yeah there, there is still also for me some room for improvement or where can I still, where I can still optimize um, somehow my behavior on the route. So um, 
I think I didn't sleep more. Yeah, so I slept for two hours, 15 minutes um, over the course of the race. But still, as you said, um, the amount of time where I did not move was yeah, far more than uh, the, the other two guys um, who, um, who did second and third. And I think one of the reasons is definitely, okay, as, as soon as I had some buffer um, being in front, I also allowed myself to a little bit more enjoy it. Okay. And uh, also stop for an ice cream once or something like that, yeah, which was definitely... You also posted some videos around, if I remember, <laughs> during the race. So. Yeah, so so that was definitely one part. Um, but on the other side, to be honest, I think still that there is... Yeah, I could be more efficient okay. uh, when stopping, definitely. Um, this is something where I think I already improved a lot compared to other, uh, like uh, compared to last year, for example. But if if... Uh, really talking about a competitive part and optimizing things there there is still some yeah, things to learn or to to be more efficient okay but still this year you took part on it you got the crash that actually slows you slowed you down in a certain way uh, you stopped more but still you got the win and you got the record as well so not not, not complaining at all but but i think this is something which is also great at ultra cycling mm -hmm. There are so many aspects to it. Um, you can improve or you can reduce uh, yeah, stopping time. You can you can work on your athletic skills. You can work on your technical skills. You can focus more on the mental part of it to somehow improve your performance if you if this is the the target you have. So there are so many areas uh, where you can work on. I think this is also one of the aspects which makes it uh, interesting yeah and everyone can think about what's uh, yeah what makes most sense for him or her yeah no but you know what i can tell you there i think that anyways is this is for sure a thing that you can improve something like stopping less and everything but this is what actually makes you a super nice and uh, entertaining racer to watch as you as i was mentioning before you were posting on social media you were posting videos um you were taking your time eating your ice cream showing the um, the views and stuff and then you got the crash okay this was bad luck but then you still had time uh, to tell the story to your wife who posted it then you arrived waited for the other people you came back you really showed as the winner you showed the best part of bikepacking, ultra racing, and uh, this kind of adventure cycling. So for sure, you know, even if it costs you a bit of time that you're losing and whatever, but this really, I don't know, I think it's a huge you, but let's put it in this way. You are such a source of inspiration for everybody who wants to get there because it's, it's not only, okay, I'm just going to a race just to have fun or I'm going to a race just to compete. You can combine the two things together and actually also get people that are following you super entertained. And that's amazing. Um, so thanks for the kind words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think this is something I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this for others, so to say. Yeah? Also going back to the route cheering or uh, waiting for others at the finish and talking to them. This is something which I really enjoy and which also last last year um, was a little bit that was was not that good experience. So last year um, I I came to the finish, and my family was away was waiting there for me, and this was great. Yeah, so it was great to to see my wife and my children there at the finish line. But then we directly 
took our RV and uh, went to some place and then the event was over. Yeah. yeah. And this year it was clear that they could not come to the finish because the school already started again in Germany. There were no vacations in that time and so on. So it was quite clear that my family would not be at the finish line. Mm-hmm. And I also, and then I also told my wife, okay, but I, I would still appreciate to stay more like two more days than at the finish to just have the time to really bring the event to a closure for myself and being able to stay there a little bit longer and uh, to to have a chat with other finishers to to talk about our experience at the race and things like that and this really made this year's participation for me very special and also very fulfilling at the end yeah to have this opportunity as well because as said at the beginning of the race there was no yeah chance to meet people up front so the community aspect was not there and still being able to have that at the end this was really really great yeah and i met a lot of uh, yeah i think met a, met some people i already knew from last year but also a lot of new um, participants and uh, this was really great yeah sitting down for a pizza together with them or even two guys they invited me for their kind of finisher party at the evening for a barbecue wow um at uh, on wednesday evening uh yeah, the first day after I, I was at the finish, things like that. So this was so great to enjoy that community and uh, to be able to talk with, with all these inspirational people mm-hmm. um, who share a common experience. Um, yeah, this really made it special for me this year. Well, this look like, looks like, I don't know, sounds like really like a highlight for you. But do you have any other highlight of the race of this year for you, apart from the community spirit? Yeah, so... Um, on one side, it was this uh, set this barbecue and so on. Oh, so yeah. really being able to to to, <laughs> to 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 have that part. So during the race itself, uh, to be honest, um, that's that's the bad thing if you are uh, somehow competing there in front. Um, there you don't have much connection to the other riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for sure, I sometimes I I met uh, Marcus Hager at least at the first two days. Um, we, yeah, I passed him, he passed me. We also rode a little bit together. Um, also there, um, had a nice chat together. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, but we didn't, uh, have much time together. Yeah. And, uh, beside that, I didn't, uh, met anyone then, uh, anymore in the, the, the last days of the race. So, um, that is something where you are a little bit disconnected then from your community. Um, but especially when, when I then, yeah, when I was at the finish and then also being able to, um, yeah, I took a rental car, um, to also bring back the, the borrowed bike and to get my bike back again and so on. And then, um, as I already had a rental car then, uh, second day, uh, when I was at the finish line, I thought, oh, it would be so great to see some of the the places of the Hope 1000 again, where I was not able to spend time um, enjoying really the view and uh, and so on. So I then just took the rental car and also drove to one of the mountains, for example, uh, sit down there at a nice hut, uh, took a dinner or lunch there, enjoying the view on the terrace. Um, I think this was also a highlight just to come back there and then also being able to combine it uh, with just having a look at the live tracking and 
they're not directly going back uh, down, but just awaiting some of the riders who would pass them uh, in the next hour or two, um, just to cheer them as well and uh, get a little bit connected with them. So this was a quite good combination. Yeah. And was also that was one of the great parts, being able to still stay there a little longer and not just hurry up getting home back home. Yeah. So definitely if I would if I participate in future in other kind of these races again or ultra cycling events, I would always try if possible to to plan it in a way that I have some time at the finish, two days or so to yeah, enjoy the community. Yeah. And I would recommend this to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, just because of yeah, um, yeah, not not planning it to stay, they just somehow have to then yeah go back home because they don't book a hotel, they just then take the next train, things like that. I can really recommend to everyone to just take this additional time. It's it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you that so for my little experience in ultra endurance races from the Silk Road Monte Race 2019 and the Atlas Monte Race 2020, where I was there with the official podcast, not ra- not racing, I mean. Um these parts, so the last part, the finisher party, or just maybe a day before, two days before, is kind of the best part because then you're stopping with people, you're talking with them, you share the experience, you remember what happened around some episodes or, I don't know, some parts, because sometimes, you know, you pass by an amazing spot when it's daylight, while another one passes there when it's night, and you can compare the experience, you can talk about that, and still, I don't know, still this kind of will of getting new point of views and new angles it's really inspiring i truly believe so i think you are completely right i recommend to everybody to stay at least two or three days more if not till the finisher party also because the other super cool thing is to really clap and cheer to the people that are arriving that's another amazing thing and that's also something i i i pretty much enjoy if people come to the to the route and just to the course and just also cheer uh, for me yeah so this is this is always really um it's it's also always astonishing me that people really take so people who are not related to the race yeah not taking part themselves and so on they they just they follow the race they have a look at the live tracker they um perhaps know me from social media or i also took part at the 24 hour race once in in switzerland and some people know me from from that and they really they follow the tracking they come to the to the to the track and then they yeah they just say hello and you don't stop there for long and 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 so on but they still come and cheer you and this is really motivating and uh, that's also one of the reasons uh, because i myself had this positive experience i also want to wanted to give this little bit back yeah, and uh, also cheer for others um, because i know how or how positive this can be yeah yeah let's talk about the future then jochen uh let's talk about what's the plan for you for the next races or so i think that probably the first plan that you have is fix the insurance situation because of your crash hope that everything <laughs> is going to stay in the past once you fix everything then another thing that probably in the future is still saying to stay in touch and send another couple of gifts to the lady that borrow you the bike maybe for christmas that could be the future, but what else? What are you thinking about the future and uh, other races that you have in mind? Yeah, so um, when we are talking about ultra cycling bikepacking, um, there is definitely um, 
on my list, uh, there is the Italy divide, for example. Are you going to take part to it this year or you're going to wait for next year? Not this year, unfortunately. So I was originally, uh, to be honest, my plan for this year was already to take part in the Italy divide and not in the one, Hope 1000. Um, but um, And I was also registered for Italy divide. And then they had to postpone the race uh, due to Corona situation. And um, the new date for this year... Uh, didn't fit my uh, my private schedule, so um, that for that reason I then uh, opted uh, for the yeah, I then choose to to participate next year instead. Um, so this is definitely on on my list for next year. Um, beside that, if you have a look at uh, this year, um, the next uh, long distance thing is the race around Austria. It's not bikepacking; it's a road a road bike uh, event. Um, and they also this year the first time provide an unsupported version, but only on a very short, um, uh, short in, in ultra cycling words, in a short circuit there. Um, so you can do it. Um, they have an unsupported um, track, which is around 560 kilometers or something like that. And on a road bike, this is not even 24 hours. Yeah. Okay, um, absolutely. So this is not this is not bike packing. Yeah, this is, uh, but it's still a long ride. Um, and that's, that will happen mid of August, so I will take part there. And because this is also one of the few events which takes part, uh, even uh, due to COVID nineteen. So yeah, I think events are currently quite limited, um, and uh, yeah, also due to my family responsibilities and so on, it's not possible for me to to take part in multiple multi-day events i would say a year so i think i will always pick one or two highlights a year um, like the hope 1000 this year or italy divide next year and so on and then focus on them okay um but there are also yeah if 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 you ask me about um events i would also somehow like to like to to join as well um, there are so many cool events out there, like also Silk Road Mountain Race or or the Tour Divide or uh, yeah, also things like that, um, which are all on my bucket list <laughs> for some point in time. Um, the the big challenge for me is to to really participate in in races which last then for for more than a week or so, because this is then really something I have to prioritize a lot to a certain extent uh, in comparison to yeah family vacation and things like that yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. no but it makes sense and actually as i understood a bit your spirit and your attitude for sure you go in this kind of situation to to enjoy to enjoy the adventure whatever but also you want to go there to win so in the situation where you want to really take part to the silk road mountain race for example that is I would say that the winners usually they finish around seven days, more or less, maybe a bit less. You still need probably, I don't know, to check a bit more your preparation in a different way. So you want to go there to compete in a proper way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know. I just want to tell you that I really, really hope to meet you in person in one of those events, and also in some a bit more leisure events, just about riding and chatting, based a bit more on the community than on the race itself. Hopefully, this is gonna happen pretty soon. And, uh, because I don't know. I think that, as I was saying, I find you really inspiring on that, and really the perfect kind of 
community friendship and this kind of person that you can really also speak with. There are many of those, probably most of the people in the backpacking world are like this, but really that wants to enjoy 300, 360 degrees, all these kind of events. And I would love actually to have a couple of chat, probably, I don't know, a soft drink or a beer together next time that we meet. <laughs> <laughs> probably a beer at the yeah, end. Would, would, would really be great to meet in person. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Jochen, I would say, I don't know, do you have anything else that you want to add? I'm here for you. That's actually your space. Feel free. No, I think uh, we covered uh, mainly yeah, all kind of, uh, yeah, or, or multiple aspects of it. So I think it's uh, yeah, quite good package for today. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, I just want to say thanks a lot for being part of this episode today. I'm going to put anyways your, um, I don't know, all your social media um, links and social media handles down in the description as well as your as a link to your blog because as I was saying you're really also one that really spreads perfectly the narrative of cycling in general and bikepacking in particular so probably a lot of people everybody who is listening to this podcast should continue to follow you for all the things that you are saying and all the description that you're making of your races so Thanks a lot for that. Yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation also. <laughs> I really enjoyed it today. Yeah. So, and also thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I hope actually sometimes I receive some messages that people are saying, yeah, you are great or whatever. You are having an amazing chat. You are guessing all the times are really, really nice. And this time was perfect, blah, blah, Even if I still think that at a certain point people will say, okay, Stefano, can you just please shut up and let your guests talk because it's better? <laughs> <laughs> you speak too much. That's why the episodes are too long. That's why I think that they actually want to in there say these kind of things oh, no it was perfectly so. <laughs> yeah thanks a lot oh, then joe it was great pleasure and yeah talk to you soon yeah talk to you bye stefano Ciao. thanks a lot jochen to be so inspiring i was trying to find the right word yeah to be so inspiring to be so awesome and amazing like you are and something like communicative and sociable Great, great. I really, really hope that soon we are going to have a ride together. Maybe it can be in one of those events and just can be in one of the easy rides that we all do in this life. Thanks a lot again for all of you for riding with me, I would say, for this amazing season of the Broomwagon. Uh, it was great. It was tough. It was full of events. This 2020, we all know how full of events it was, but I hope that I kept a good company with you. I was a good, yeah people person to talk with and people to listen and i hoped actually i did my best and i truly believe that this was probably my best year in terms of podcasting and everything else i have to say thank you to all of you i have to say thank you to andy kessler and open for supporting me for this season i have to say thank you to some friends i will name just a few of them i will say thank you to sara for taking care really good of the broom wagon social media to pierre he is actually the great artist behind the year zero of the Broom Wagon Club kit, cycling kit. And he's also the great artist behind the old visual identity of the Broom Wagon. Thanks a lot, Pierre. Ah, by the way, Instagram.com slash Broom Wagon Club. Just for you to know. Go there, you will find some cool things. And of course, thanks to Simon, who was part of the season as usual, talking about numbers, training, and also helping me on... The, I don't know, building up my fitness for this season. I've been riding a lot and it's also thanks to him, for sure. Um, who else? For sure, I'm forgetting uh, somebody. 
Yeah, for sure. I already said thank you to um, Nelson at the beginning of this episode because he gave me the opportunity as well to be at the Atlas Monte Race together with the old circus of the ultra endurance cyclist fanatic. And it's always amazing. And uh, thanks, Oz. That's another person that they want to say thanks because it's all the time the first feedback that I'm getting in terms of everything, in terms of projects, business, digital life, everything, and personal life. Thanks a lot to him. Uh, thanks to Andrea, also great supports, mostly for the writing on Calamaro CC, uh, but as well for all my bicycle adventure. Thanks, Andrea, then as well, and thanks to Marcia, my girlfriend. She's also all the time there and giving me the first feedback on the things that I'm creating. Thanks a lot. And also supporting me when I'm out of home recording stuff. And also the first one, uh, I don't know, giving me super straightforward and direct feedback if things are not at their best. I will talk to you pretty soon. Stay tuned. As I was saying, I'm going to take some uh, time off from my social media, my digital life by a certain point and I will come back. I will come back with my first, I think, with my Instagram post then as well with my newsletter and then as well with this broom wagon soon probably there are gonna be some special episodes probably they're gonna be uh, i don't know something else uh, and i've in mind a lot of things and but you will be the first on knowing about that so well i don't want to be emotional it was a great season it was great to be with you it was great and it's gonna be even greater to talk with you soon with some other adventure and remember you will not get there on a road bike bye everybody